Thessalonians chapter 5, I'll ask you to stand with me as we read the Word of God together. This is God's precious and holy Word, the very oracles of God. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Remain standing as we pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. O God, it is alive, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And in the hands of your Holy Spirit, you can use it to penetrate our hearts. Speak to us. Cause the word to sink down deep into our hearts tonight. Give us grace to hear. Give us grace to be awake. Give us grace to be alive. Give us grace to be full of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I wanted to thank our pastor for giving us this opportunity to preach as, as a team of men on Wednesday nights for entrusting us with this great responsibility. I believe we're doing something the early church did. And there are multiple voices and we're thankful for this opportunity and for our pastor entrusting us with this responsibility. Amen. Let us not sleep. We looked at Romans 13, 11 and following, where Paul said it is high time to awake out of sleep. And this is a parallel passage where in verse 6, Paul says, Therefore, let us not sleep. The Lord's people have a need for such exhortations. We need to be reminded to not sleep because we are sheep who are prone to wander. We sing that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And so we need exhortations. We need the Word of God continually in our lives. We need daily manna. We need daily encouragement from the Lord. 
We need to seek his face on a daily basis and receive encouragement from the Lord every day. We need the people of God. We need the saints to encourage us along. Paul says that in verse 11. We're to comfort ourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And so we are a people who need such exhortations. Ephesus needed a wake-up call. Ephesus had left their first love. What a glorious Savior they had embraced in their hearts, the Savior who died on the cross of Calvary for their sins. But they needed a wake-up call because they had left their first love, and we know that from the Lord himself. Laodicea needed a wake-up call. Laodicea was lukewarm, and the Lord said he was ready to spew them out of his mouth because of their lukewarmness. And so they had drifted. They had had begun to go to sleep. And here we see that the Thessalonians needed this exhortation because Paul's giving it to them. They needed to be reminded, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And we need it as well. I need this exhortation, and Frank Maxson is up here tonight preaching to Frank Maxson. And I ask the Lord, use this message to keep me awake. Use this message to help me in this area. We need it as well. We need it particularly in our time because iniquity is abounding and the love of many is waxing cold, even as our Lord said in Matthew chapter 24. Iniquity is abounding all around us. We see it at all levels. We're hearing things that we have never heard in our lives before about gay pride parades and little children and their parents taking them there and all of the crazy things that are being done and said publicly, iniquity is abounding in this country. And the love of many is also waxing cold because these things are infiltrating and creeping into the churches. And we need a wake-up call. The Lord's people need an exhortation Let us not sleep. Wake up. We need to not be sleepy heads in the world in which we live. Amen. Amen. Well, Paul gives a, in verse 6, Paul gives a three-part exhortation. And I'm starting in verse 6 because it is a key verse in this passage. It's what Paul began to lead up to, and it's what Paul enlarges on in verses 6 through 11. But the apostle exhorts the Lord's people not to sleep. That's the exhortation. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now, this is a reference to spiritual sleep. Now, my family had an experience that is similar to what Paul is talking about in this passage. When we were living as missionaries in Malawi, although on a more physical level, if you will, because we were living in the town of Zomba on the side of Zomba Mountain in an area called Malamia, and probably Malamia was the chief in that area, And we lived in an old colonial house, and I really liked that house, up until a certain night when thieves came 
It was a rainy night, and we had gone to bed, <clears throat> and we were sleeping soundly as the rain was cascading down upon the iron sheets, sheet metal, if you will. We call them iron sheets in Malawi, but we were sleeping soundly, and not a single one of my family woke up when in the storm, which thieves like to come at night, as Paul says, and thieves also in Malawi like to come when it's raining and when there's thunder and there are storms and they smashed the glass on our back door, reached inside, grabbed the keys, which they knew where they were because someone had come in the house and scoped out as, as a guest, had scoped out our keys and they knew right where they were and they took the keys, opened the door, entered our house while we were sleeping carrying machetes in their hands. <laughs> At least this is what the watchman told us, that they were carrying panga knives, which is machetes. And we slept soundly through the whole thing, just as peacefully as I've ever slept. I was sleeping while they took my wife's sewing machine, while they took laptop computer, they took Bibles, and on the way out, they went up the hill from the house in the backyard and dropped debris all over the place. They were looking in the Bibles for things and throwing Bibles and throwing things, and there was a trail of stuff in the back. They took bicycles. They took all, all kinds of things. I don't even remember all that they took. Where was the watchman that night? We had one but he was sleeping. He had found a very comfortable place to sleep in a, 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 a brick shed where we had our water heater that was fired by wood, and so we would heat the fire with wood, and the water heater would stay warm at night, and so he was in there. The British called it the geezer, the water heater, <laughs> The geezer, or at least the Malawians called it a geezer. And in Zambia, they call them geezers. So he was out there enjoying the warmth of that room, and he was sleeping soundly, and something woke him up. He went out, and the story, as he told it, was that he had, <coughs> as he went around the back of the house, one of the thieves took a, a length of steel pipe and threw it at him. And as it whirled through the air toward him, he knelt down, and it went over his head. That was the story. Well, the Lord had mercy on us because he began to whistle, and he began to make all manner of noise. And out of a deep sleep, we came out of our beds, and we found the back door open, glass on the floor, bicycles gone, things were stolen, and we had been robbed by thieves. Well, let me just say that the thieves caught us unprepared because all of us were sleeping, including the watchman. We were sleeping, <coughs> and they found us. Now, Paul is talking to the, to the Thessalonians about not physical sleep, but spiritual sleep. Now, we may have lost a few things, and we did. We didn't lose everything because we recovered some of it. 
thankfully. <clears throat> we were shook up for a while. My pastor in Central Florida said, you need two watchmen. So from then on, we had two watchmen. When I caught them sleeping one night, I took a picture of both of them, and I raised their pay the next day and told them, stop working in the day and just work at night. <laughs> but the consequences of spiritual sleep are far greater than the consequences of physical sleep when thieves come. And so Paul <coughs> is exhorting the believers, the Lord's people, to not sleep. The word therefore in verse 6 connects the latter part of the passage with the former part of the passage. What Paul has just said in verses 1 through 5 is connected with what he says in verses 6 and following by the word therefore. There's a reason why Paul is saying it. First of all, Paul is saying that the day of the Lord is coming. There's coming a great day when Christ will come again and there will be a great judgment. He says in verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. This day is going to come unexpectedly. The Lord is not going to tell everybody I'm coming next week or next month or in a few years, but the Lord will come suddenly, and that is the sense in which he comes as a thief. The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, and the lost will experience sudden destruction. In verse 3, he says, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. The lost will experience sudden destruction. <clears throat> and they will experience travail, and Paul says, they shall not escape. There will be no escape in that day for any of the lost. The Thessalonians would be spared that judgment. He said in verse 4, But ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. That day would not, the word overtake means to seize, and, and they would not be seized or overtaken as a thief seizes and overtakes his victims. That day would not overtake them. Well, why will they be spared? Why will they be spared? I say they will be spared because of who they are and because of what they are. Because in verse 5, he says, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. They were living in a dark world. They were living in a world of night. But they belonged to the day, and they were the people of the day. <clears throat> so the apostle exhorts them not to sleep, as do others. Well, who are the others that he's talking about? Is he talking about other Christians? No, I don't believe he's talking about other Christians. But Paul is saying, let us not sleep as do others, as the others, because the others is who he's been talking about. He's been referring to, to the, the, the lost 
who will experience, who are saying peace and safety, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And he goes on to say, Therefore let us, who are of the day and not of the night, not sleep as do those others, as do the lost who will be seized in that day, overtaken by that day. And so the apostle exhorts them not to sleep, being the children of light and not of darkness. The children of darkness are the ones who are sleeping in sin and ignorance. The children of darkness are the ones who are sleeping in their sins and in their ignorance of Christ and his gospel and of God and of the truth of God. They have no faith. They do not believe. They have no love for God and his people. They have no love for Christ. They have no hope of a glorious inheritance. They're living in darkness. So what is Paul exhorting the saints to do? What is he telling them to do? Now, <clears throat> we, we oftentimes read the word and we come across a word like an expression and a word like sleep and an expression like let us not sleep. Well, we know what it means to sleep physically. We, we know what it means to fall into a deep physical slumber. Some of us are real good at it. <laughs> some of us do it at the dentist's office sometimes. and Some of us can fall asleep almost anywhere. Ask my wife. I can fall asleep almost anywhere if I'm tired. I can just sit down, sitting up, and fall asleep. I actually, in Malawi, after a couple days of not sleeping at a conference, standing in the back of the conference so I wouldn't sleep, I actually began to fall asleep standing up and I caught myself before I fell down. But Paul is not talking about physical sleep, but he's talking about spiritual sleep. And so what is he talking about? He's talking, he's using a contrast of the children of darkness, and he's basically saying, do not sleep, Christians, do not sleep, in your old sinful patterns of life that you have come out of. You Thessalonians have turned from idols to the true and living God. Don't go back into idolatry and sleep in sin. You who have put away the lusts of the flesh, do not let that Sleep come over you by falling into lustful patterns of thought and lustful patterns of behavior with your mind, with your eyes, <coughs> with your desires, with your heart. He's saying do not sleep in your old sinful habits. Do not sleep in your old ignorance, thinking the way a lost person thinks. You know, a Christian can sometimes think the way a lost person thinks. Oh, we do that too often because <clears throat> we are children of light who live in fleshly bodies 
and the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So there's a struggle going on in every one of us. And so Paul is saying, do not sleep in your old ignorance. Keep up, Thessalonians, with the way you started out. You know, they started out not sleeping. They started out very much alive and very much awake. I want to show you that in chapter 1 and verse 3. Because Paul speaks of them and he knows they're the elect of God because he remembers things about them. In chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Remembering without ceasing. <coughs> that sounds like Paul's awake, doesn't it? Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience or endurance or perseverance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. One thing I can tell you is that I never go to sleep while I'm working. And if I want to stay awake, I just keep moving. I do not fall asleep when I'm laboring. I do not fall asleep when I'm persevering in something, when I am uh, enduring something. Sometimes I'll actually pinch myself and endure that pinch, so I'll stay awake. I've done it <laughs> many a time. I haven't done it lately, but I've been known to do it. <clears throat> but, but Paul is speaking to a people who were very much awake, who were very much alive, because their faith was a working faith. Their love was a laboring love. They were full of faith, believing God, trusting his promises, looking to Christ, and, <clears throat> and believing in the, in the person of Christ, and believing in the finished work of Christ. And, and their lives were changed, they were transformed, and they were working. They were putting away their idolatry. They were putting on the armor of God. They were beginning to walk the Christian walk and live the Christian life. They were full of love for God, and there was a labor that was flowing out of that. They had a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were enduring all kinds of persecutions. If we had time to look at it, we would. But the Thessalonians were under great persecution and they persevered in hope because they had a future. They had, they had promises of God that they laid hold upon and they believed. Just as Paul's talking about here, that, that you are going to be saved even though God is bringing wrath upon this world. So keep up with the way you started out. When Paul is saying to them, therefore let us not sleep, let us be like we were when we first came to Christ. <clears throat> Let us have that same zeal. Let us have that same fire burning within us. Let us have that same faith. Let us have that same love. Let us have that persevering and enduring hope that we had. Let us not sleep. And so Paul is talking about about being a revived people, being a people who are alert, who are alive and aware. Our pastor was praying that along those lines while, right before I got up to preach, and I said, I'm ready to go. The day of the Lord is coming as a thief, and we need to be awake. Well, what is he saying? Let's make it real practical. 
that was that was fairly practical but let's let's get down to the nuts and the bolts <clears throat> isn't paul saying do not sleep in your prayer life isn't he saying that do not sleep let us not sleep <clears throat> in our work of faith and our labor of love and our endurance of hope and surely those three things include our prayer lives I, I tell you, if we're going to pray, we're not going to get anywhere with sleepy prayers. We're not going to get anywhere with sleepy preaching. I'm trying to be a little bit more dynamic tonight. Lord, help me. I don't want to put you to sleep, but I want you to think about these things. <clears throat> it's the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man that avails much. Not the sleepy, lethargic drunken prayer of an unrighteous man but the fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much paul even tells them in first thessalonians 5 17 pray without ceasing that sounds to me like staying awake pray without ceasing means you are awake in your prayer life follow paul's example in chapter 1 and verse 2 where he says, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. That sounds like an awake prayer. Chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says, (coughs) in giving thanks to God for them, he says, night and day praying exceedingly. Night and day (laughs) praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. You see, Paul had some idea that the Thessalonians needed something. You know, it's good when pastors can see that the flock needs something. It's good when pastors are awake and aware and they're looking out upon the flock and they can see that they need to help the people of God and add something to their faith. And in that process... Paul was saying night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face. And Paul wants them to be awake as he's awake. (coughs) So do not sleep in your praying. Do not sleep in regard to the word. Do not sleep in your relationship with God's word. Surely that's a part of our work of faith, our labor of love our endurance of hope, our perseverance or patience of hope. Do not sleep in regard to the word, but be a Psalm 1 person whose delight was in the law of the Lord. And in his law did he meditate day and night. That's the way the Lord would have us to be. Like Jeremiah, who said, Thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah was so delighted to eat God's word. And we should find that living delight in the word of God. Do not sleep in regard to the Lord's day and the Lord's people. Hebrews 10, 25, those were some saints that were falling asleep. (coughs) And Paul said, or the, the apostle said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but 
exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so Paul would have the saints of God meet together as often as possible. I think Wednesday night is included in that so much the more part of the verse. I want to put it in there. Wednesday night is an important so much the more part of that verse. And so much the more. Gathering, I'm saying if you can. I know there are folks who live so far away that for them to get off work and come here on time is impossible. But there are some who can be here. Let us be here. Let us pray, especially in this day and time. I was so encouraged last week when the Whites and the Williams joined us. What a delight to have the brethren coming together. Do not sleep in sharing the faith with others. Do not sleep in regard to witnessing Christ to those who are lost around you, praying for them, seeking their good, seeking the good of their souls. Do not slumber in running the race. It's it's a race. The Christian life is a race. Let us not slumber in running this glorious race. Do not slumber in fighting the good fight of faith. It's a battle. Paul's going to tell them to put on some armor. Even this idea of watching gives the idea of battle. We are in a war. We are in a a conflict. And we need God's grace that we would not slumber in the midst of the battle, but that we would be alert and awake. Secondly, the apostle exhorts the Lord's people to watch. In chapter six, in chapter five, verse six, (coughs) excuse me. Paul says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. Now, let us not sleep was the negative side. Don't do this, but I want you to do this. Don't sleep, but watch. Positively, Paul is saying, but let us watch. To watch literally means to stay awake. Literally. The word means to stay awake. But watching is not merely staying awake, but it is staying awake with a purpose. It's staying awake with a reason. It's staying awake like a sentry in, in, the, in the battle at his post who's watching for the enemy to come so that he can warn the troops or a guard on duty against thieves as Mr. Mapanga was supposed to be watching my house one rainy night when he fell asleep. And he slept so soundly along with the Maxon family while the thieves came. So what exactly are we watching for? We're commanded to do something. Now we need to think about what does Paul mean when he says, but let us watch. Well, we need to watch for enemies. And we do have enemies. What are our enemies? The world, the flesh, and the devil. We need to watch against the world, not to be conformed to this world. Not to be 
overwhelmed by the influence of this world. Our enemies include the flesh. And so the flesh is warring against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And so we are to fight against the flesh. We're to watch the flesh. We're to watch to see when the flesh is rising up and when the flesh wants to have its way. And we need to deal with it. Our other enemy is the devil, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, and we need to watch against the devil. I think oftentimes we think something is coming into our mind because of ourselves or our own flesh, but oftentimes it's the devil, and we need to resist him. (coughs) But we need to watch against these enemies. And so we're watching lest we fall into sin, lest we go back into the darkness that we were in, but now we're children of light. We're watching lest we fall into sin. In one sense, we're watching ourselves, aren't we? In one sense, we're taking heed to ourselves, and we're considering ourselves, and we're thinking about ourselves. I don't think we should think about ourselves all the time (laughs) or too much. What, What a mess we'd be if all we did was thought about ourselves. But we need to think about ourselves and watch ourselves. Jesus said to his disciples, take heed to yourselves, lest ye fall into temptation. In another sense, we're watching for our enemies, as we mentioned. In another sense... We're watching for the church and over the church. And Paul brings that out in verse 11 where he says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves or strengthen yourselves together. And it could even be translated, Wherefore, exhort yourselves together and edify parakaleo and edify or build up one another even as also ye do So we're not doing this wake-up exercise all on our own. We're not watching by ourselves, but we're jabbing each other in the ribs (laughs) spiritually. And we're, we're exhorting and encouraging and influencing one another. So in one sense, we're watching for the church and over the church. Do any of you guys have a wife that knows that you get sleepy and they, they jab you every once in a while? My wife doesn't jab me, but she does lean over and tap me and say, honey, honey. (laughs) And it wakes me up. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Here I am again, back to planet Earth. But spiritually, we do that in the church. We should be thinking about the brotherhood after the assembly (coughs) worship service. We should be thinking about the brethren and what can I say to this brother to help him? How can I encourage this brother? I have a brother in my mind right now that I need to talk to, to encourage him, to strengthen him. So we're watching ourselves. We're watching for enemies. We're watching over the church. In another sense, we're watching for the Lord and his coming. And we're watching to be ready for his coming. And so we're watching ourselves and our enemies and and all the things that are going on around us. So we are to watch against sleeping spiritually. It's a wonderful thought that in glory 
we will never sleep. You will not sleep in heaven. There will be no night there. The Lord is the light of glory. And you will not sleep in heaven. There is no night there. But you live in a world of darkness. But you belong to that heavenly kingdom. And Jesus, the Lord, tells us that we're children of light and children of the day. We're not of the night and we're not of the darkness, even though we live in the darkness. (coughs) We live surrounded by darkness. We even have the darkness of the flesh inside of us. But we're headed toward a land of light. We're headed to a land of sleeplessness. We will stay awake forever. I know my daughter Grace loves that idea because she doesn't like to sleep. She likes to always be moving (laughs) and doing things. My father was that way. I wouldn't understand Grace if I didn't understand my dad. My dad worked two jobs, full-time jobs, and went to the University of Miami and got an art degree all at the same time, and he hardly ever slept. You say, how did he do it? I don't know. But thankfully, when he got to be an older man, he would say to me, Frank, it's really amazing. Now I sleep in in the mornings. (laughs) And when he meant slept in, he meant like maybe around seven sometimes in the morning. But in glory, we will never sleep. We're children of the day. We are children of the kingdom of glory. We are children of a future kingdom. It is now because Christ is Lord over all, but the fullness of it will come. We we belong to that kingdom. And he's got us here as children of light in this world. And that's why he doesn't want us to sleep. He wants us to be awake and shining brightly. We're children of the day. And we're always, always to be awake spiritually. You are never supposed to go to sleep spiritually because you belong to the heavenly kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? We should never go to sleep spiritually. And God wants us to always be awake. Well, the apostle exhorts the Lord's people to be sober as well. What do we go to, 11 o'clock on Wednesday night? 12. 12. The apostle exhorts the Lord's people to be sober (coughs) in verse 6. He says, therefore, let us not sleep negatively, as do others, those in darkness. But let us watch, keep our eyes open with a purpose, and be sober. Paul is saying, let us not be intoxicated, but be sober, which is the opposite of of intoxication. The intoxicated person does not think clearly. I'm not an expert on this, and I even had to do some research on it. He's under the influence of alcohol, (coughs) and too much alcohol at that. He has lost his inhibitions, things he would never do in the eyes of other people he now feels free to do because he has lost his inhibitions. He has lost his self-control. He no longer controls himself. I still remember as a teenager driving down the road in Naples, Florida, and in the median there was a woman 
who was weaving in the grass with her car. And I didn't know about, I hadn't seen much drunkenness in my life, but I think I was seeing drunkenness on the road. Alcohol is a, is a central nervous system depressant. <coughs> it is not a stimulant, although it can have some stimulant qualities at first, but it is a central nervous system depressant. It suppresses your nervous system. It depresses the ability to reason. You don't think right anymore. It suppresses or depresses the ability to resist evil or to make sound judgments. And God is saying through his apostle that he doesn't want us to be in that condition. He wants us to be in control of what is happening in our behavior. He wants us to have sound judgment. He wants us to be, <coughs> to be awake and alert and to be thinking people and acting out of our, out of our minds and our, and our thoughts. He wants us to make sound judgments. Well, Paul is exhorting the Lord's people. Surely he is exhorting them not to be drunk with wine. Surely, that, that's included. I'm, I'm not putting that aside. I don't think that was a problem at Thessalonica. I don't see that anywhere in, in, the, in the book of 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> but Paul is exhorting the Lord's people not to let yourselves become intoxicated by any influence that can intoxicate you. So when the Lord is saying through Paul, but let us watch and be sober, he's saying, do not be intoxicated with the love of money, because money can intoxicate people. He is saying, do not be intoxicated with the cares of life, because you can become intoxicated with the cares of life. He is saying, do not let the pressures of the world intoxicate you so that you lose control and you lose your mind and you lose your judgment and your reasoning and you're out of control. Do not become intoxicated by any influence. The news can intoxicate a person. I think there have been times where I've been somewhat intoxicated by the news these days. May the Lord help us that we would not spend so much time uh, I know it's not the bottle, but it's almost a bottle, but at, at the bottle of our cell phones, at just looking at the news and what's the next thing and waking up in the morning, what's the next thing? What have they done now? You know, what is the next thing that's going to happen? Well, don't become intoxicated with the news. Don't become intoxicated with the internet. The internet can intoxicate you. Oh, I've got to find out some more. Oh, they, they popped something up in front of me. I need to know about that too. Oh, here's another pop-up. Let me find out about that. Don't become intoxicated with knowing everything in the world. Our minds are being controlled by these things. We need to be careful. <clears throat> social media can intoxicate people. There are people who spend so much time on social media, Facebook and, and these other platforms. Don't let yourself become intoxicated. But let us watch and be sober. Let us be sober. 
Well, in verses 7 and 8, he gives a reason why the saints are to watch and be sober. He says, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day. Again, he's exhorting them on the basis of who they are and what the Lord has made them to be. Those who sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober. This is so important, I believe. Know who you are in Christ. Like Joseph in the Old Testament, who when tempted by Potiphar's wife, said, My master has entrusted me with all of these things, but you're his. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. He knew who he was, and he knew that wasn't for him to do. Know who you are. Know that you're a child of light. Know that you're a child of the future kingdom. That glory and and that wonder of the fullness of the kingdom. Well, how can we stay sober in these days? How can can we stay sober with all of these things that are happening all around us? How can we do it? How how can we defend ourselves? In verse 8, the apostle tells them how to stay sober. I believe he's telling them. I, I almost want to say he's giving them a prescription. And he's giving them some stimulants. Because, because he doesn't want them to be drunk. He doesn't want them to be asleep, but he wants them to be stimulated. And so in verse 8, he says, but let us, in contrast to that sleepiness, let us who are of the day be sober. They're sober again, so he's repeating it. And then he tells us how to be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. These three pieces of armor are there to protect their heart and their mind against intoxicating influences and to stimulate them in holy activity. Faith, love, and hope. They were the evidences of life in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, and they're going to be the evidences of revival in their lives, but they need to focus on putting on faith, love, and hope. Faith is a stimulant. If you have faith, you are going to be alive and awake spiritually. If you have love, God is stimulating you with that love and keeping you awake. If you have hope, which you have a glorious inheritance in the future, you're being stimulated by that hope. So you must be always putting on this breastplate and this helmet. It's not a one-time thing. You don't just say, well, I put on faith and I put on love and I put on hope at some time in my life and now I'm okay. No, you need to put on faith, hope, and love or faith, love, and hope as he puts it here all the time. You need to be be continually living in these graces. (coughs) You need to put it on. Faith, love, and hope. 
And we find these graces. Oh, I just love the way Paul brings these, these foundational truths together in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and now abide, now continue, now remain, faith, hope, and charity, love, these three. The greatest of these is charity. God would have you to think about these things. God would have you to consider, how is, how is my faith? Am I really awake in regard to faith? Am I really awake in regard to love? Am I really awake in my hope? Is my hope being exercised? Well, how can we do this? How can we put on um, faith, love, and hope? Well, I think verses 9 and 10 point us in that direction. Verses 9 and 10 tell us, For God hath not appointed us to wrath. That's a part of our hope. God has not appointed us to be destroyed in his righteous and holy wrath that he pours out upon a sinful world. But to obtain salvation, it's a future salvation. It's salvation from that wrath. <clears throat> and it's a glorious salvation unto being with Christ forever and forever in glory. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. God has not appointed us to what we deserved. Amen. But God has has appointed us to obtain salvation at the coming of Christ when he comes in all of his glory. And it's a salvation that includes a glorious inheritance that is, that is indestructible and that cannot be defiled. And then he goes on to say, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. He went to the cross and paid the price for our sins. He died for us. That showed his love. And we love him because he first loved us. Whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. He wants us together with him as his people. Isn't that glorious? And that's food. Those verses are full of, <coughs> of, of fuel, as it were, for our faith and our love, and our hope. And so let us, when we're feeling spiritually sleepy, let's remember Christ. Let's remember a glorious Savior bleeding and dying on Calvary's cross for our sins. Amen? Let us, let us stir ourselves up to faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But let us stir up our faith as Paul has told us to guard ourselves with faith by thinking upon his word and specifically thinking upon Christ in his person and his glorious work on Calvary for our sins. Let us think about him. Let us remind our, ourselves to stir up love by looking at the love of Christ for us and how he cares for us. And how we can cry out to him. And, and, and when we cry out to him, we can pray things like, Lord, hear me speedily. <laughs> Lord, hear me speedily. I was praying that as our brother was talking about. I was praying, Lord, hear me speedily. I need you. This is fuel for our faith. This is fuel for our love. And this is fuel for our hope. Well, let me move on. <coughs> 
we're to <clears throat> we're to put on faith and hope and love and we do that by going to Christ in his word well in verse 11 the last verse the apostle exhorts and instructs them to exhort and build up each other in these matters we've already mentioned it but we as the saints of God need to encourage each other we need to nudge each other when we're sleepy we need to build each other <coughs> in faith, love, and hope. That's the ministry of a, of a shepherd. He builds up the flock in faith, love, and hope. Amen. That's what he's there for. Sometimes he does it by tearing away some of the things that don't belong in our lives. And then he builds us up with the word. <coughs> Paul is telling us that we're not lone rangers in the Christian life. Amen? Amen? We're not lone rangers. We're not all by ourselves. We're not islands to ourselves. But we need each other in the faith. And so Paul says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves, strengthen yourselves together, and, and edify or build up one another, even as also ye do. And so Paul had confidence in them. And I want to say one more thing, lastly, and that is, and some of you may have noticed that I skipped this, I didn't skip it totally, but I haven't emphasized it. But there is no truth more calculated in Scripture to awaken God's people than the truth of Christ's second coming. There is no truth more calculated in Scripture to awaken God's people than the truth of Christ's second coming. This whole exhortation is based upon the day of the Lord in verse 2. Paul mentions the coming of the day of the Lord in verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is coming. Christ is coming again. It's the second coming of Christ. Paul tells us in chapter 4 that the dead in Christ shall rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and all of us will be together with the Lord forever. Amen. There will be the voice of the archangel in the heavens, and you will hear the voice of an archangel when he comes. You will hear the sound of a trumpet, but you will also hear the voice of Christ in the heavens. He will come with a shout. When he comes. And that shout will wake the dead. And, and the, <coughs> the children of darkness and the children of light will all rise. And we will stand before him in the judgment. And we will be judged on the basis of whether we were sleeping or whether we were awake. We will be judged on the basis of our works. Not that our works have saved us, but our works will evidence who we are. And we will be judged on the basis of how we loved the Lord's people and whether we gave a cup of cold water to one of the saints, giving it to Christ by giving it to one of his, or whether we visited him when he was in prison by visiting his people. But the Lord will come, and the day of the Lord is coming, and Paul says there's going to be a great destruction of the children of darkness, but that day will not seize 
God's people. You are all children of light, children of the day, not of the night nor of darkness. Hallelujah. What a glorious truth it is that Christ is coming again. Paul speaks of the coming of Christ in every chapter of the book of 1 Thessalonians. I know he didn't write it in chapters, but the translators have put it all into a format of chapters and verses. And in every chapter that they've given us, we have the second coming of Christ. If we had the time and and I didn't want to put you to sleep tonight, I would read every one of them. And you need to read them and you need to think about the coming of Christ. You will wake up as you begin to think about Christ's glorious coming. Our beloved is coming with clouds. Our, Our bridegroom is coming in the sky and we will be caught up together to meet him in the air. And he's coming in judgment on those who are lost. And you need to consider this evening as we close, you need to consider that there is a great judgment coming. And if you're asleep tonight, you need Christ and you need to awaken. Just like the Thessalonian believers, you need faith. You need to trust in the Lord Jesus. You need to repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be awakened and be a part of the children of light and of life. Amen. 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 Let us stand together. I'm going to (coughs) read the benediction from Revelation chapter 22. Let us pay heed to this glorious benediction, Revelation 22, verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. God bless you.